So today I'm joined by Alan Waxman, who is a property developer. He lives in Belgravia. His latest project is where he's calling from today um, via this link. He's done about 34 of his own projects and about 30 projects for clients as well, ranging from 50,000 up to seven and a half million. And today he's going to be talking about the benefits of doing a principal residence and how there's less competition for that now. He's going to give us some really good tips on how to make yourself not just a buyer, but a strong buyer that can win bids. And um, we're going to have quite a lot of fun as well. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Matt. And uh, I do hope that I can add value to this uh, conversation. I'm sure you can. First of all, I love the view behind you. Uh, is that a live view or is that a, is that a painting? Uh, no, behind it's a previous project that we did. Uh, basically, what, what I did was because I'm living in a... a in essence, an unmodernized property. I, I got out of storage some canvases of previous uh, projects. And uh, this was an interesting one we did in Belgravia where um, very much like a, in, in Doctor Who, we turned the negative to a positive and what people saw from the outside was very different. But first of all, what's your view on the market? Where do you think the opportunities are gonna be coming from in the near future? Well, I think obviously, you know, none of us ha actually have a crystal ball, but um, there are going to be uh, market opportunities for various reasons. First of all, uh, I think there's going to be a downsizing potential on commercial properties because of people being more inclined to work from home. So there could be uh, some uh, uh, forced, not forced sales, but, but exciting opportunities for people to sell uh, their commercial properties, which could then, of course, subject to planning turn into residential. Yeah. Secondly, uh, there's bound to be some distressed uh, properties. I think there already is, and I think there's going to be an increasing amount of that. You know, um, and and the other thing which uh, people haven't perhaps thought about is if they're in the chain and there's pressure for them to uh, perform in order to, to get the property they want, they may have to, 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 to drop their price a little bit in order to get uh, a buyer in quickly. Otherwise, they'll, they'll lose out of what they want to buy. So, you know, I think there's a number of things. It's not going to be one simple thing, but um, I definitely think that if you're geared up and ready to, to pounce, there will be uh, things available. Okay. And then I think it's fair to say, would you agree with me that the cash-rich investors will be piling into Prime Central London because that will probably have the biggest dip, but the fastest recovery. Do you think that's a fair comment? Well, in Prime Central London, you can often say that uh, the vendors generally potentially have a bit more money and are less struggling to sell. Uh, that's obviously not always the case, but in, in you know, certainly the golden postcodes, it, it's often the case. However, because of what's happened in the stock markets worldwide, uh, some of these people are going to be hurting. And I've been speaking to art dealers who um, are having a lot of uh, work now from uh, people with art collections, for instance, wanting to borrow money against their art significant pieces. Um, and so I think that there'll be a, a knock-on effect, a knock effect, rather, uh, all through the marketplace, rich people will be suffering as well as other people further down the ladder. Yeah, I mean, values of everything have dropped for for however long they're going to drop for, but they've definitely come down a bit, haven't they? Property, arts, a lot of these luxury items as well. Um, now, 
Your first development, I happen to know, wasn't particularly luxurious. What was the first deal you did 20 years ago? Uh, well, that was that was a property in Walworth, just south of the Elephant Castle, which I bought actually as a rental investment for uh, five thousand pounds, which um, at the time obviously was was quite a lot of money. You broke up a little bit there, but it was fifty-five grand, did you say? It was fifty-five thousand. Yeah, that was a lot of money in nineteen sixty-three. <laughs> Not quite that long time ago. But it, it was, uh, and that, what I remember though is I, I got paid my first uh, rental amount uh, in cash. Of course, it was declared, but I was so excited in actually getting the money and seeing the thing. Well, this actually works. So uh, that was an exciting start. All right, and I also happen to. I'm, I'm giving away your secrets now. I know you're in your apartment in Belgravia, which is your late, latest purchase, and you're something you're going to be remodeling. What sort of condition is it in at the moment? Well, it hadn't been lived in for over two years and it probably hadn't been uh, decorated or renovated for 20 years. And uh, before I moved in, uh, in essence, to camp while we got all the permissions in place, um, I got the industrial cleaners in and uh, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty dirty. But uh, uh, fortunately, it's now, it's okay to live in. Now, this brings me on to the next thing I want to talk about. So this is your latest project and it's your principal residence. And I'm, I'm a big advocate for these at the moment. I don't think enough people declare this as the best strategy, but I think it is the best strategy because uh, you've got no capital gains tax. You don't have to pay the extra 3% stamp duty. Okay, logistically, it's a bit difficult if you've got kids and things like that. But if you don't, you should be doing one of these all the time, shouldn't you? Well, I, I think that, that, that this crosses all different um, uh, spheres of different types of buyers. So you may have um, somebody who has their own uh, uh, family office, uh, who's a super, super high net worth individual, and square, uh, costing tens of millions of pounds to uh, a traditional investor who wants to make money for themselves, uh, to an ordinary person who actually just wants to go to the property ladder. Yeah. So it, it crosses all, all different types of people and they can all benefit. And as you well know, there's not many ways that you can make money without the tax man uh, taking a slice of it. We came up with a few, didn't we? Um, you said art, but it looks like there might be a bit of tax on that to be resolved. Uh, antiques, I said, but there's a £6,000 capital gains tax limit on it. We agreed you could, you said cars, quite rightly. I think cars are possibly tax-free and you can buy and sell a horse. But apart from that, you can do your own house. Uh, and there's a lot less competition. So you were developing in Prime Central London through the, the noughties when it was very, very popular. I bet there was a load of competition then, wasn't there? Yeah, well, I think there's always been competition, but it's a matter of, uh, you know, sniffing out the 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 bar the, the the good things to buy and obviously being organised in advance. Okay, so where do the good deals come from then? Well, you know, if if, if before I talk about the, the, the where the deals come from, maybe I can just talk about the the benefits because you know you talked about the financial benefits and it, it split that into two parts. First of all, it's the money that you can save on stamp duty because if you're you know, buying something for a million as against a two million finish, then 
obviously there's a huge amount, you know, hundreds of thousand pounds, which would be going to the tax man. And the question you've got to ask yourself is, are you better prepared and astute to use that money better yourself rather than giving it to the tax man? It's dead money, isn't it? It's just dead cash. Ask, yeah, and asking them, uh, giving them the privilege of using it on your behalf, which is in essence what happens. The second point is actually you can add value, not just save money, but actually add value to the property through either increasing uh, the space or increasing uh, the, the decoration and making it a more desirable thing. And thirdly, um, when it's finished, you can enjoy living there more. Yeah. You know, there's there's going to be creative things that you can do with the property and, it's, and as well as cosmetic. I think the stamp duty alone is quite a good argument. I mean, above one and a half million pounds is 15p in the pound in stamp duty. So for every extra million pounds you might spend on a luxury property, it's 150,000 pounds, like kind of down the drain, right? Um, And if it's not your only property, it's plus 3% on top of that. At the moment, the top whack is 12%. If it's a second home, that moves up to 15%. And if you're a foreign buyer from next year, that moves up to 17%. So it's this huge amount of money, which is in essence just flushed down the toilet, which, you know, if you buy the lower price point and use the money saved, then that's money you can put towards your uh, either professional fees or construction costs. Yeah. Well, I think the point is the government doesn't want you to be buying these unless you're going to live in them. And that's removing a whole load of competition from developers. And it, gives the, the owner-occupier a chance to make money on their own on their own place, whereas previously they had to compete against all these developers, right? Well, yes and no, because there's nothing stopping the developer buying it for themselves as well. Which they and should. As long as they live there, uh, you know, a couple of years, which, which I plan to do, then, uh, you know, as well as doing your own developments, which, you know, may be smaller or larger, uh, you can make your own tax-free money. And, and that's quite, you know, legitimate and quite fair and quite proper. And everybody should take advantage of that. Okay. So I think I saw something the other day. You're, you're helping other people do this themselves, sourcing property, fixing up. Tell us what you're doing with that. Well, basically what happened was in 2009, we won uh, for one of our projects uh, in Belgravia. In fact, the one behind me, uh, we won best interior design in the country and best development in London. So on the back of that, for the first time, people actually started knocking on my door saying, can we help you with uh, their, their own properties? Because they, you know, they like what we do. Um, and so we started doing private commissions for, for clients. Uh, that then, you know, one, one thing led to another. And we've now done uh, over 30 commissions. Uh, we now have our in-house uh, architects who are registered with, with Reba as a company. And... What I then thought is, if we have this expertise uh, to help them, uh, then why not actually source the property themselves? Because uh, we've been advising other estate agents and property finders with their own clients. So I thought, well, if we can do it under the one house, uh, then uh, people like the one-stop shop. It yeah. gives them peace of mind and uh, uh, it, it it's a seamless operation. I recognise the one on the wall behind you. Is that the one where um, Nicole Kidman bid on it? 
Yes, um, I met with Nicole Kidman um, at the Dorchester Hotel, and she uh, we agreed terms, and she was, uh, I have to say, exceptionally charming. Um, she then um, got pregnant and actually then changed her, her, her strategy. So right. she then stayed in Australia rather than buying a place here in London. And is that the one where you put the 10-metre waterfall in it, the water feature? I always say waterfall, but I mean water feature. Well... Yes, it was, and, and, and one of the, the, the games that we like to play with property is how we turn the negative to a positive. And this was actually a good, good, good uh, example because this was a, a muse house uh, just near Hyde Park Corner in Belgravia, and it just had windows at the front of the property. So everybody who looked at it uh, thought it was a dark and dingy uh, house. However, what I did after I bought it uh, subject to getting the right permissions, uh, we took out the rear corner of the property, put in a glass retractable roof, and then I put a ten and a half meter waterfall down to a Japanese Zen garden. So, of course, it, well, I mean, what else would you do? What else do you do? And it's a little bit like in Doctor Who, you have the TARDIS. What you see from the outside is very different to what you see when you walk through the door. Okay. So I think you're going to give some tips on how to um, how to buy well and how to negotiate well. What did you want to share with everybody? Well, I, th I think the first thing is is where do you um, uh, find the properties from? Um, because you know if you think, okay, this is a good idea, how do I go about it? You've got various uh, options. First of all, you've got your your traditional estate uh, agents. Uh, secondly, you've got the auction houses. Uh, thirdly, you've got Stop knocking on doors. Uh, you know, you see an unmodernized property, you can either yeah, knock on the door if anybody's there, or uh, contact the land registry. It costs, I think, about three pounds yep. to get the details of the owner. And sometimes, especially in central London, the owner may not live in the property. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's very valuable uh, information. Or you get a specialist. Um, uh, company like ourselves to take the instructions from the client and then go out and hunt for the property on their behalf. The auctions so, are going to have some good deals coming up, aren't they? Sorry? There'll be some good deals in the auctions coming up. Auctions generally do. Um, they, they, from single homes in London, uh, generally the, the, the cutoff point is, you know, maybe below the million mark. Uh, generally speaking, so it depends on the type of property that, that you're looking for. So for a lot of people, that's already a lot of money, but for other people who are going up the ladder, then perhaps they have uh, a bigger budget. Yeah. Uh, and um, but the, the, the other thing that I wanted to, to talk about uh, briefly is when you're looking to buy a property, you're often buying it through an estate agent. And Let's say that the agent has a property to sell for a million pounds, and let's say they're on 2%. Well, if they sell the property, they're going to get a 20,000 pound fee. Thank you very much. If, however, you are able to negotiate the property down to 900,000, uh, obviously that's a massive difference for the seller, but for the estate agent, they lose 2,000 pounds their commission is still £18,000. Now, I know many estate agents work in the best interest of the um, 
of the seller, their client. Um, but uh, if you can position yourself to be a strong buyer, then uh, you have a much more powerful uh, leverage on your negotiation. Okay, so what makes a strong buyer then? Okay, so it's very, it's very simple, really. Um, and especially for foreign buyers, this is really interesting because foreign buyers, if they've never bought before, they have to go through different uh, uh, money laundering uh, KYC hurdles. And a lot of them find this a bit of a bore. But the way I like to put it is to actually turn that negative to, to their advantage. And what I mean by that is finding a lawyer in advance, going through this, this process. And if you're a UK resident, it's actually a little bit easier. Uh, but having uh, your lawyer appointed in advance. So if you haven't got a lawyer, first thing is find a lawyer, get them to check everything that, that they need to check. And then what you do, if you're, for instance, looking to buy a property just to keep the numbers simple for a million pounds, you lodge this client account, their escrow account, 10% of that. So yeah. that'd be a hundred thousand pounds. And then when you come to find a property that you want to buy, you actually don't put in the offer yourself. You actually get your lawyer to put in the offer on your behalf. Now imagine if you are an estate agent and you get a, an offer from Joy from Joe Bloggs saying, Yeah, I've got I can I can buy it and this is this is what I what I can offer as against getting an, uh, 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 an email from a lawyer saying, we act for Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, we are in possession of 10% uh, of the purchase price, we can exchange at such and such a time and complete such a time uh, thereafter. It, it, it's night and day from the agent's point of view or the vendor's point of view to want to be interested in taking that offer very seriously. Yeah, I think you got to do all, all that. And um, well, certainly in a, in a hot market, <laughs> I think if there are vendors out there that want to sell today, they'll be biting your arm off or anything, right? Yeah, you got to get yourself, you got to get your ducks in a row, haven't you? You got to get your ducks in a row. And there's the, you know, the old adage in, in property, it, it, it's uh, you make your money when you buy not when you sell. Yeah. And uh, the more organized you can be in advance, then the more powerful you're going to be and, and, and you, the more you're going to be taken seriously. What do you uh, see as the main pitfalls and the main challenges? The, the main pitfalls and challenges were that they're, they're twofold. First of all, before buying the property and secondly, doing the, the renovations. Before buying the property, there's three things that you really want to, to understand. First of all, what alterations can you do? Secondly, how long is it going to take? And thirdly, what's it going to cost? If, if one wants further um, comfort, you know, one can always bring in a, a planning consultant, you know, if it's a tricky planning issue, uh, which we've done in the past. Secondly, uh, if you want more comfort on the costs, you can bring in uh, a good quantity surveyor and get them to do a report. Because what you want to do is to limit the surprises. Uh, after you bought it and think and, and, and not to be in a position where you think, oh, I never thought of that or I didn't realize it's going to be this much or take that much time or I thought I'd be able to do that, but now I find out I can't. So you want well, to... The, the one that immediately springs to mind for me is soil tests in London. If you want to put a basement in, 
you really want to get your soil test done before you exchange, don't you? Uh, absolutely. And often I've got a geotechnical engineer to go in early doors and put their drill in and, 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 and test that so that, that you know, uh, forewarned is forearmed. You were on a TV show about basements, weren't you? Uh, I was. It was called Millionaire Basement Wars. And uh, I was the developer that they used uh, on the program on a project uh, or based around the project we did in Knockney Hill which actually had a double basement, uh, which of course was not a walk in the park. And we had various challenges with that. But my thing about the challenges, it, it's if, you, if you're doing a little one bed flat and you have a poor team to help you and a poor builder, it's a nightmare. If you do a double basement on a large property, of course you're gonna come across challenges. But if you have a good team, then you just, sort them out as you go ahead. And the, anal the analogy that I like to use, if you allow me, is if you're designing and manufacturing a brand new luxury motor car, as companies do, they're building it in a new factory. And the thing that they have, which we don't have, is a prototype. So the nature of what we do, each, 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 each uh, property is like a brand new custom-made car. So the nature of the game is things, challenges, obstacles, problems, or issues. So at each step of it, you need to make sure you've got a fantastic team and, and not to cut corners on the professional team because they're there to watch your back. And also, of course, to keep the contractor in line. Next part is two questions. What's your best deal? What's your worst deal? Um, the worst deal was probably a, a house I bought in South Croydon, where uh, it wasn't an area that I knew. Uh, the contractor I got to do it, who came in with the best price. Uh, you mean the cheapest builder? The cheapest builder. I then found out uh, was not paying the subcontractors. Oh, the subcontractors then down tools. I then found out that the... Uh, the individual had been to prison for fraud. Oh my gosh. And I think it comes back to the same adage. If you think something's too good to be true, it probably is. And unfortunately, you have to make these mistakes yourself to learn from them. Or even better, as my dad used to say, try and learn from other people's mistakes rather than do them all yourself. Yeah, it's free. <laughs> you know, all right. That's why. And what about the best one? Was it the one where you won House of the Year? Uh, yes, I think that that was probably, um, uh, cer certainly for me, it was where I went from being an, a, a, an average type of developer to being a premium type developer. And, and that's what uh, opened then a lot of doors because people have never seen work like uh, what we produced there, the, the imagination that we put into the project. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and even the microscopic detail that we did, which, you know, we... Even just on the doors, because they have for the horses, the, the old news doors, yeah. have huge hinges, which we, we dipped in acid and then we chrome, again, trying to keep a bit of the heritage and turn yeah. the negative to positive. I think that's when I first spotted your or your brand, and I can't remember exactly how I spotted it, but I remember you had a QS project manager who had a first in his degree from university. In fact, I know the guy. 
and you're an interior designer and you're a one-stop shop and you're doing, you know, you're doing houses for some pretty important people back then. What sort of sums are we talking about at the higher end of the scale for developments that you do? Are you talking about construction costs? No, like the value of the house. Uh, well, well, for, for ourselves, uh, you know, we in, interesting the, the per, purchase price of the property. Um, uh, the most I've paid for property was actually about uh, 2.75 mil. Uh, the most I've sold the property for is seven and a half. Um, so uh, the last project I did, which was Notting Hill, I paid just over a million for uh, and sold it for five and a half. Yeah, we can drop an image of that onto this video for everyone to see, because it was just a little sure. box when you bought it, wasn't it? it? It was what I call a chocolate box. It was 650 square foot, increased the size by over five times to 3,200 square foot. So uh, it was quite a, quite a property. And uh, what's even more uh, pleasing, though, is the people who bought it absolutely love it. And to me, that's the acid test. Yeah. Uh, they really love living there. Um, well, it's pretty much all we've got time for today, Alan. Is, is there anything you wanted to leave us with before we say goodbye? I, I just think that, you know, if someone's going to be looking uh, to take advantage of the, of the tax, you know, think about their strategy, uh, think about getting organised, think about the help they need. Um, don't cut corners uh, on, on the help because that can pay dividends and save them money. And also, more importantly, save them a massive amount of hassle because all these projects are are challenging, you know, in different ways, and you've got to have a good team on board uh, to help you through it. I think that's a very good way to wrap up. Alan, I just want to say thank you very much for your time. Pleasure seeing you, and thanks for getting involved in Tropolis as well. We're going to have a lot of fun. That's my pleasure. Thanks for the interview, Matt.